0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Serendipity Girl. I'm your host, Colleen, and I am on a quest to discover things that are true, but also noble, excellent, and worthy of praise. In other words, positive. And I'm so glad that you have joined me and... I just wanted to share with you some exciting elements that I've added back into the podcast to kind of vary things up a little bit. Some I had done before, and I kind of got away from that. So our first segment that I would like to do is what I like to call Epicurean Adventures. Now that's the part of the show where... I share a recipe that I have made, or I'm about to try, usually something that I've made, and because we all have to cook, right? We all have to eat, and I know we're all trying to eat healthier, and I'm trying to incorporate more vegetables, and lean meats, and what they call good fats. I guess those are the more plant-based fats, um... So I have been looking at some books that I got. One is The Mediterranean Air Fryer by Naomi Lane. It's 200 easy recipes that you can use for even just one or two people. So I got a wonderful recipe that I tried on page 35 called Roast Mixed Vegetables and Feta. And I can share uh, on the Serendipity Girl Facebook page. It's called Serendipity Girl Podcast Lovers. So I'll try to share this recipe on there and I give full credit to Naomi Lane and her book Mediterranean Air Fryer. But basically uh, you take half of a sliced eggplant, one quartered zucchini, one sliced red bell pepper, one yellow bell pepper, chopped red onion, four cloves of garlic, half a teaspoon of paprika, and mixed herbs. If they're dried herbs, uh, she says to use one teaspoon, but I'm a big fan about using fresh herbs out of your garden, like oregano. You can maybe even try some mint, and definitely some basil and some parsley. So get jiggy with it, because people create wonderful things when they go off-road and then it has salt and fresh ground black pepper there's something about the fresh ground black pepper that makes it really wonderful but if you don't have that just use regular canned black pepper and crumbled feta because I like to say feta makes it better <laughs> and then you could add parsley. So if you don't have an air fryer, you can roast the vegetables in the oven like around 400 degrees, maybe set the timer for around 15 minutes and watch it. You don't wanna overcook these puppies. But um, basically you chop all the veggies and toss them in olive oil, extra virgin, is extra points because that's good for you. Um, it's it's the best of the olive oil. I believe it's the first pressed. And then you add the seasonings and you mix all that up in a uh, mixing bowl. And then if you're using the air fryer, just heat it to 366 degrees Fahrenheit and then place the veggies in the basket, cook them for 15 minutes, add tomatoes halfway through. And then once they're browned enough, transfer them to the bowl and season them with your fresh herbs so so don't put your fresh herbs in the air fryer wait until after the veggies are are done and then you can just toss those puppies with some fresh herbs and the feta cheese and enjoy so that's a very uh good healthy low calorie good for you high veggies uh, so it's low carb or low glycemic side now what you're going to serve with that um I'm trying to think of my sides as my entree, my entree as my sides. In other words, um, eat more vegetables, maybe eat less, you know, meat. I don't always have to have a huge piece of meat when I eat like chicken or whatever. But you can make pesto glazed chicken breast. Chicken breasts are naturally very lean. And uh, again, I can put this recipe out there. This is from the Mediterranean Diet for Beginners, the complete guide. And uh, it does not seem to have an author or editor per se, but it was published by Rock Ridge Press in 2013. So, pesto glazed chicken breast. Now, you can buy some fresh basil at the store, or you can grow your own basil. But basically, you can... Cook your chicken breast in a pan or you can cook them in the oven or in an air fryer or you can marinate them uh, beforehand in some EVO, extra virgin olive oil and red wine vinegar and some garlic and just add some Italian based herbs get jiggy with it have some fun and some salt and fresh ground black pepper and marinate that chicken if you want to it's optional and then you can grill it you can air fry it you can bake it then while it's cooking uh or before it cooks depending you can make your pesto so you're going to combine in a blender or food processor, basil, garlic, Parmesan cheese, and pine nuts. What if you don't have any pine nuts? You can substitute some walnuts or some mixed nuts. Get jiggy with it, have some fun. And blend it on high and then you're gonna pour in a quarter cup of olive oil and blend it until smooth. Once your chicken is done, you're just gonna slather some fresh basil pesto on top of your chicken breast. And then you've got that and your yummy roasted mixed vegetables, which have feta. I love that. Feta is better. (laughs) I like that. Anyway, well, that's my Epicurean adventure. So moving on, I, you know, I love trivia and there is this fun game, so to speak. It makes for great dinner conversation it's called Word Teasers, and you can go to their website, WordTeasers.com, www.WordTeasers.com. I got this courtesy of their game, and uh, I call it a game. Uh, it's more just like trivia, cards in a box. But it's called Fact or Urban Legend. In other words, is this true or is this false? So here you go. And before... share this. I know many of you are going on vacation, and some of you are going to Washington, D.C., which is the capital of our nation, the United States of America. Fantastic place to visit. All these free museums. Um, I believe they're free still. They're paid for by U.S. taxes, so I hope they're still free. But uh, fabulous, the Smithsonian. uh, There's so many great museums in Washington, D.C. I think there might even be a Holocaust Museum, which I think everyone needs to see a Holocaust Museum, because if we don't pay attention to history, we're going to repeat it. If you don't learn, as someone has said, from history, you're going to repeat it. But there's lots of memorials there. And one of the memorials is to our first president. Anybody know his name? For those of you who are in another country besides America... That's right, George Washington. And George Washington, uh, we love him dearly because he really wanted to serve his country. And, you know, he had an option of becoming King George. In fact, King George of the United Kingdom, Great Britain, was just astonished that after we fought the American Revolution, which bought us our independence, and we became you know, no longer colonies, although we still love the Brits um, and we love their culture and we're we're practically related to them. And uh, there are cousins across the pond, but we wanted to be our own country. So it was amazing. After fighting this revolution, George Washington just wanted to go to his home at Mount Vernon, which is near Washington, D.C. And they kept pulling him back and saying, would you be our president? But they didn't ask him to be president. They asked him to be King George, wouldn't that have been wild that America fought for independence from King George of Great Britain only to get their own King George, George Washington? And he said, nope, not doing it. Absolutely not. So we love him. He was a great president. He was a great revolutionary hero, very selfless man, very selfless. And The Washington Memorial, if you've ever seen it, it looks like a giant Jenga tower. Jenga is a game that kids and adults can play where you take these blocks of wood and you assemble a tower by putting these blocks on there and you hope it doesn't fall. The object of the game is to not be the one putting the block on that causes the Jenga tower to fall. And so basically, and it does fall eventually, and that's the fun of the game. But the Washington Memorial looks like a giant Jenga tower. Anybody know how high it is? Well, I am going to make you go to my Facebook group page, Serendipity Girl Podcast Lovers, to find out how high the Washington Memorial is. Or you can just look it up, but It'd be more fun if you could go to my, my Facebook page because I want to hear from you guys. You guys are all over the world. I've got people in Germany and Ireland and some other countries. And in America, I think it would be fun if we would just share things. And I'm putting the recipe out there. So anyway, uh, the Washington Memorial. Here is your urban legend. Or is it a fact? Is this true or false? Is this fact or urban legend? The Washington Memorial is only held together by friction and gravity, like a giant Jenga tower. Is that fact or urban legend? Ding 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 Boo, doo, 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 Doo 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 doo. Okay, enough asking your family or thinking. It is a fact. The Washington Monument, which is higher than I thought it was. I thought it was 100 feet high. Nope, it's not, it's a lot higher. The Washington Monument is truly a feat of engineering. There is no mortar or quote unquote glue holding this high structure together. So they say you might wanna think twice about visiting on a windy day. Not really, Um, it's been around for years. I wouldn't worry about climbing it. I think you need to be more worried about, uh, am I going to be able to climb this? Because <laughs> there's a lot of steps. A lot of steps. But I believe people can climb it. Or maybe you can take the elevator. Oh, I hope there's an elevator. I've never I've never been inside it. I've just seen it from a distance. So I guess I need to go back and I need to train so I can climb all those steps if there's steps. And I'm going to assume there are because we haven't had elevators forever. And I think it was built before elevators. So that is my little trivia word teasers segment. And I hope you enjoyed that. I love trivia. It's a great dinner question, conversation starter. And I hope to bring more of those to you. Well, now I want to move on to inspirational quote. You know, I love to hear the best wisdom that others can offer and i have this wonderful little notepad with uh 365 great thought a great thought a day and it's by two if by Sea studios that's a nice little revolutionary term uh one if by land two if by sea it has to do with interesting as we come up on our nation's birthday our revolutionary independence day july 4th um, this company has taken two if by sea so they're probably into american history a little bit so because that's how they signaled how the brits were coming during the revolutionary war they said if you see one lantern they're coming by land if you see two lanterns they're coming by sea interesting huh And, um, so here's a great thought for you by a professor and an author from the UK. I've talked about him before, good friend of Tolkien's and several documentaries about him, several great books he wrote, both fiction and, uh, about how he came to Christ, because until late in life, he was a staunch atheist, but he was friends with Tolkien, who was a Christian, and they had, I think, some vigorous debates, and he became a Christian, and then there was no shutting him up, and aren't we glad? C.S. Lewis. So here's my inspirational quote from C.S. Lewis. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Let me say that again. C.S. Lewis is accredited with saying, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Now, I really like that because we often will substitute or confuse abasement of ourselves, putting ourselves down, self-deprecation, as showing some sort of humility. But that's not true. In my opinion, pride can be such a problem for us, at least for me, that as this quote says, I think too much about myself. I think too much about me and what people think of me, how I appear in their eyes. It's like I have this little video streaming service in my head that likes to run back my memory, the video of a conversation with somebody and kind of grade it. I need to lose that really fast. Now, as I was doing yesterday, because I was doing that yesterday about something, about a conversation. Did I talk too much? Did I talk too long? Did I say the right things? Did I mess up? (sighs) And... Was God disappointed in me? Were other people disappointed in me? And I mean, I was having some help. I was having some help. Um, The devil does not want us to think correctly about ourselves. So he'll either make you think bad about yourself or he'll make you think too much about yourself, in which case we're just being very selfish and self-centered. But C.S. Lewis says that humility is actually... It's not that you think less of yourself. It's that you just don't think about yourself that often. And I had to realize yesterday, I was trying to share the gospel with someone. And, oh, I worried that if I said the wrong things, they weren't going to come to Jesus. Oh, yeah, I have that much power. (laughs) Yeah, right. No. You know, Jesus used a boy with fish and bread. I want to say it was five loaves of bread and two fish or it might've been five fish and two loaves of bread. I'll have to look that up. But you know what? Jesus was telling the disciples, feed five, feed these 5,000 men that we think or have congregated here. Plus our wives and children. It might've been around 10,000 people and nobody came with food. Or if they did, they were hiding it. Nobody came with food. They didn't know they were going to be there listening to Jesus that long. And nobody had prepared except for one little boy. And maybe it was the boy. Maybe it was the boy's mother. Maybe she was the one that was making the bread and saying, hey, take the fish and the bread. Sorry, I love accents. So I just like to lapse into accents every now and then. It's more fun. (laughs) So she's like, hey, Levi, don't forget, take some food. You might get hungry out there. So, way to go, Mom, whoever you were. I don't think that boy made his own bread or grabbed his own bread fish. Maybe he did. Um, I don't know how old he was. But when Jesus was like telling the disciples, you feed them. Because he he wanted to do a miracle. And he wanted to see what they would say. And they're like, uh, we don't have enough money to even feed a quarter of these people. It would take a year's worth of wages. And so this little boy shows up with his bread and his fish. So I like to use that to remind me. I, and God takes it. Jesus takes it and thanks God the Father for it. And then he cuts up the fish and the bread. And um I guess, I don't know. Somebody had a knife, I guess. And um are they use their fingers. I don't know. But They had baskets. I don't know why they had baskets, but no food. But um, they had like 12 baskets, I think, of leftovers. Somehow that fish and bread made it after Jesus took it. And so I take that to mean, and, and the tie in for this little story that I told you, there is a tie in, is that it's not up to us to say the perfect things when we tell people about Jesus or whatever. We can make mistakes. As Christians, God is big enough to override our mistakes. He doesn't want you to be perfect. He wants you to just show up, show up and use what you have, even if it's not enough. And that's probably a point I would have loved to have made a whole podcast on for another time, but the whole point is we shouldn't worry so much about what we think about what people think of us. And maybe I'm the only one who does this. If I am, then stop this podcast and good for you and share with us on the podcast, Serendipity Girl Podcast Lovers Facebook group page, a post about what are some ways that you have learned how not to care so much what other people think. But I'm gonna tell you, I'm still in progress. I'm still in process. And I think based on people on social media, from what I hear in the documentary, The Social Dilemma the social dilemma it's really good um we we are affected by those little thumbs up that we get those little ways that people can say yeah i read your post i saw your photo i liked it i hearted it it's not enough to get like now it's how many hearts you get and um i commented on it and it's really i mean it's fun to get all of that but if you're not careful what happens when nobody likes your post and it looks like nobody's reading your post? Nobody cared about your your latest story or your footer or whatever. Does that send you into a spiral? According to The Social Dilemma, it sends a good many of us into a spiral. In fact, they have done studies that say that the longer you spend on social media, they've tied it to depression. People get depressed and some of it is they're not getting the... The feedback and the response they were hoping they were going to get or you know there's there's a lot of reasons you can read articles about it but coming back to the quote being free and being humble it's not thinking less about yourself just just think about yourself less which means think about others more think about God more if you're a Jesus girl like me think about God more Who he is and how awesome he is and spend time praising him for who he is. And as far as what people think of you, God has some things to say about that. And I just wanted to share that with you briefly. You know, when I was a teenager, I was a new Christian. I came to Christ at 13 and before I came to Christ, I was this sarcastic, cynical could slice and dice you with my mouth. If you were out to hurt me, I was going to hurt you first. You know why? Because hurt people hurt people. And I was hurt. Oh my goodness, I was hurt. By the time I was 13, I had already gotten a message my parents did not mean to send me. When my mom told me these dramatic stories about how she and dad had planned to never have children, that they didn't want to have children. And she told me why, and it had to do with watching how her sister had had children and there had been nothing but problems because of who the sister had married and sin of the father's visiting itself on the sins of the children. In other words, they saw their parents and their grandparents and their great-grandparents and all that doing things that were wrong, and they just thought that that was normal. And my mom didn't feel loved by her dad he never told her that he loved her and this really jacked my mom up you cannot give what you do not have and she was not confident that her father loved her and it caused so many problems for her and I know my parents loved me but they made a mistake my mother made a mistake of telling me this cute story only it wasn't so cute to me that they didn't want children And God surprised them, they went from zero to two because they ended up adopting their nephew because they were trying to help her sister's family out because the government had stepped in and was separating the children. And it was a very sad situation. So they took the two-year-old, Charles. And four years later, I suddenly appeared. (laughs) And mom and dad were not planning on me either. But uh, here I came, and <laughs> they were from zero to two. So they, they told me they, you know, I just got the, the impression that I wasn't wanted. I don't think that's what they meant to say. I really don't, I've thought about it. I think they just, mom loved a good story, just like I do. And she did not have any clue. I think she just had no clue what that story was gonna do to me. So then when I went to school, I found out about clicks and I just, for whatever, somebody's got to be the butt of a click or a click doesn't work. You've got to find somebody that you look down on in order to feel superior about yourself. If you're building a Jenga tower of who you are, your identity, if you're building it on what people think of you, then often a lot of times as kids, we learn to put people down I'd love to say that we stopped doing that as an adult, but that would not be true, would it? We can still put people down as adults, and I think it comes from insecurity. We don't know how loved we are, and I'm not talking about people, because people can love you, but they can let you down, too, and if you live long enough. and When I was a kid, by the time I was 13, I had already doubted my parents' love, or I, I doubted that I was wanted. Although I had good parents, I really did. They just made some mistakes, like I do, and like I did. And we all do, because we all have sin, and we all make mistakes. That's why we all need Jesus. So by the time I was 13, I, I had a really tough time in school. I could not seem to get in the cliques, and I could not stop being bullied by the cliques. And this continued on through high school. But at 13, someone, a teacher, shared with me how I could know the love of God, and how Jesus had been sent. Jesus, who is fully God, and yet he became fully man, yet without sin, because he couldn't save us if he was a sinner himself like we are. So he came down and put on human flesh, became a human, experienced everything that we experienced, yet without sin. And Then he died on a cross in the most violent, horrible, heinous way that mankind, both Gentiles and Jews, could have dreamed up. The Romans, Gentiles, dreamed it up, the cross. The Jews wrongly followed the mob and the Pharisees. And there's enough blame to go all around every single person who's ever lived. Ultimately, we put Jesus on the cross through our sin. So don't go blaming a certain people group don't say, it's their fault. People have said that through history, and that makes me so mad. It is a lie. We all put Jesus on the cross. It was our sin that put Jesus on the cross. It really doesn't matter how the whole drama played out. He did it because of our sin. That's the bottom line, okay? And so, I became a Christian that day, November fifth, 1976. It was the year of our Bicentennial, the year of freedom. And Jesus set me free, only it took years, and it's still taking years. I think it takes, in many ways, our whole life through something called sanctification. For what Jesus has done for us, once you put your faith in Him as your Savior, and you are trusting and following Him as your Lord, and He's made you a new person with a new heart that can respond to Him, because we're spiritually dead. We can't even respond to God. We can't seek Him. We can't do anything um, before He he saves us basically. Um, he has to regenerate us just enough to get us to even seek him. And so salvation is a hundred percent God. <laughs> yes, we choose Jesus, but it's only because he's already enabled us to do that. That's what the scriptures tell me. And, um, I learned at 13, but by that time I learned at 13, how much I was loved by God. But at that time I'd had 13 years of really well-entrenched patterns. And I was a performing monkey. And I met somebody at church yesterday that basically described herself in the same way, performing for love, performing for acceptance, and I transferred that to, to God because I didn't get discipled. And let me tell you, people, whether you are the leader of a church, or whether you're an evangelist, or whether you're someone who just loves to tell people about Jesus, It is just as important to get people discipled and get them into the word and find out who they are in Christ as it is to get, I mean, yes, they need to be saved first. Absolutely. But I've seen so many people become just converts. And then for seven years, I mean, this teacher that led me to the Lord, bless his heart, he was busy, he was teaching. And maybe because he was a guy, he didn't think it was appropriate for him to disciple me, but I wish he had asked another teacher or talked with my parents to say, can we can we find someone to disciple, Colleen? Uh, that didn't happen. In a Christian school, that didn't happen. So it is my battle cry. God didn't send us into the world. He didn't say, go into all the world to make converts. That is falling short of the line. If you are a football fan, that is getting the football it's not getting across the line. Because then you got a bunch of baby Christians wandering around. They don't know who they are. No one's taking time to tell them how to get into the Word, how to pray. I'm, I'm just so on fire for that because that was me for seven years. But the bottom line is, what I want to share with you is, there are Christians who, like me, and then there's people who are not yet saved. And you are trying to perform love you're trying to earn it and like me maybe you've got a mental three by five card in your brain for people that you want their approval you want their love it could be a spouse it could be a parent it could be a friend it could be a love interest it could be a child but you are performing for them and maybe you're trans maybe you're a christian and you've transferred that to god i know i did And what I learned in looking at the Bible this morning, and they call it performance-based acceptance. It's where you accept yourself based on how well you perform. That is a Jenga tower. Now, we're talking about the Washington Monument being a Jenga tower and being held together only by friction and gravity. Now, it's a sturdy tower. But if you're building a Jenga tower based on what people think of you, it is only a matter of time before that thing's going to fall. And you don't keep building it thinking this time, this time I'm going to get their approval. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. This time I'm going to get their approval. No, chances are you're not. And if you do get their approval, if you had to work that hard to get it, what are you going to do to keep it? That is not a good basis for a relationship. And God doesn't treat us that way. You know the thing that blows my mind, because for seven years, I tried to perform for God. And I talked to someone at church yesterday that she said basically she had anxiety and, and I've had anxiety. Of course, you're going to be anxious if you feel like you have to perform for love. Let me tell you what I told her. God did not send Jesus to the cross to die for your sins so he could love you. John 3:16 says, "God sent Jesus to the cross to save you because He loves you." Jeremiah 31 verse3. God says to the Israelites, even though they're being disciplined for pursuing other gods, we don't do that, do we? We don't pursue other idols. An idol can be something other than a statue. <laughs> I'm just saying. but He was disciplining them pretty severely. But he told them, I'm bringing you back to Israel. 70 years. You can count on it. And then he goes on to tell them, in the midst of this discipline, I have loved you with an everlasting love. God's love for them was never in question. And God's love for us is never in question. Now, we have this problem with sin. God is holy and he can't be around people who are not holy. And there can be no sin in heaven. So, yeah, in love, he sent Jesus to save you. And he loves you, but if you reject that love, if you reject that gift, if you reject Yeshua, if you reject Jesus, same same God. I'm just using the Hebrew name Yeshua. Um, in English, it's well, I don't. I think no, it's it's not in English. Jesus. I don't know if it's Greek or Aramaic. I'm not sure, but either way, we know him as Jesus. <laughs> um, whether you call him Yeshua or Jesus, he is the Messiah that was promised, and. God sent him because he loves us so much and he wants to have a relationship with us. So we have to deal with the sin problem first. That's got to be dealt with. Jesus dealt with that on the cross, but we have a part. Not in saving ourselves, but we have to accept and put our trust in Jesus if we believe in him. If we believe that he is who he says he is, not only in the Old Testament, but in the New. The New Testament's not all that different from the Old. In fact, a lot of the Old Testament is repeated is Requoted. They're they're quoting the Old Testament in the New Testament, showing how Jesus met all the prophecies for the Messiah. It's there. <laughs> you can Google it. So don't try to perform for God. Because He already loves you. And Paul found out In Philippians 3, he said, listen, I could tell you who I was and everything I did and all this stuff that you'd be really impressed about, but that's all trash. It's not my performance. That's not what made me saved. That's not what makes God in a relationship with me. That's not why God loves me. I've thrown that all away because I want to know Jesus. And, and I, you know, he goes on and talks about this relationship with Jesus and I want to know him. And so Paul found out that it wasn't what he did that made God love him. He was performing for God. Only he thought that what he was doing made God love him as a good Jewish Pharisee. He said he was the Pharisee of Pharisees. Well, that's saying something. But he traded it all in. He threw it all over. He threw it away. Not that you can't be proud of things that you've done that God has allowed you to accomplish, but don't accept yourself on the basis of that. And don't think that God accepts you on the basis of that. And don't base your acceptance of yourself on what other people think of you or what you think of you. That's an idol. Because that's, that's like a Jenga tower. It's going to fall. You're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days. Don't base it on how much you get done. I'm really bad about that. You're not a human doing. You're a human being. And God loves you no matter how much you've done or how little you've done. He didn't create us just to run around doing, doing, doing. We're not doo-doos. We're BBs. (laughs) We're not supposed to go around doing. Yes, he gives us a purpose and a plan, and he had a purpose for Paul. But Paul left his performance behind and traded in his acceptance and his self-acceptance for God's acceptance of him through the cross and through Jesus' performance. And then Paul could rest in his new identity in Christ. And he knew who he was, and then he went on to pursuing. So he went from performance to pursuing Jesus because he knew who he was in Christ. And I am in the process of writing a devotional about how you can know who you are in Christ once you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, because it's all powered by Jesus. So don't build a Jenga Tower of Acceptance. Don't base your acceptance on how many likes you get and how many comments you get and how many people follow you or if you're a YouTube person and how many people subscribe. That is a Jenga tower. You're going to ride high and then you're going to fall. It's only a matter of time. Base your acceptance on God's acceptance of you because he loves you with an everlasting love. That's what he said to the Israelites in Jeremiah 31.3 when they are being disciplined for what they did wrong. He said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And he loved you so much that he sent Jesus to die for you. What have you done with the gift that Jesus is offering you? You can't ignore it. Oh, you can try. It's a yes or no. It's a gift Accept, reject, but just know that you are loved and We go from works, those of us who are works-oriented, to being a workmanship, because once you put your faith in Jesus, He creates you as a new person with a new heart, a new soul, a new part to respond to Him, and He refers to us as His workmanship. The Greek word is poema, Ephesians 2.10. You are not supposed to be working for God's love. You're supposed to be His workmanship on display, and yes, we will do things for God because we love Him. Ephesians 2.10 says he has things planned for us, but we don't do it so he accepts us and approves us of us. We do it because we love him and we want people to think less of us, think less about us and think more about Jesus because he's the one that matters. There's a wonderful song. You can look it up by Casting Crowns where he says, I'm just a nobody. And I think I've shared this before, but it's worth sharing again. He says, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who saved my soul. And yes, I know what he means by saying he's a nobody, but you're not a nobody to Jesus. He knows exactly who you are and he loves you with an everlasting love. So please accept that love through Jesus and enter into a forever relationship with him if you haven't already. And you can read about it in the book of John, which you can Google in the Bible. So until next time, have a serendipitous day and just remember how much God loves you and that you are accepted in Jesus based on Jesus and God will never love you any more or any less than he already has. Have a serendipitous day. Bye.